Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll teach you how to not personalize what people say when they overreact. I'll also be interviewing Jen Marr, who is a founder and CEO of Inspiring Comfort. She is passionate about furthering the science of human care through pioneering comfort as a teachable skill. She reviews her book, Pause to Comfort, that gives you the tools and techniques to understand how to effectively comfort others. For more information about Jen, please visit inspiringcomfort.com. You may also purchase her book on Amazon or in the previous guest's products in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Understanding strong emotions. Have you ever talked to someone who's close to you? And you say something to them and all of a sudden their response to you seems disproportionate or they've overreacted. And if their response seems accusatory to you, then we will automatically go into a defensive mode and respond in an angry way or perhaps even say something that we may regret later. It's so important to create a little buffer between what you hear from them and what you say. And in that little buffer, in other words, that little brief moment, it's important to ask yourself, At the end of the day, I know this person. I know they don't want to hurt me. I know that they're on my side. I know that we have a great relationship. So are they really trying to say something that could hurt my feelings? More than likely not. So in that brief moment, if you can remind yourself of that, and that will take time to practice that, but when you are able to do that, then you ask yourself, if this is an overreaction, what are they probably feeling? When people say something to us in a very angry way, we often think, well, that they're angry with us. However, that's not the case. So when you hear someone say something and it feels like an overreaction with anger, there are five different reasons why they may be doing that. And here are those reasons. The first reason may be if they overreact, it's because they're trying to reduce the stress of whatever it is they're feeling, that they are so overwhelmed in a situation that they just explode. Another reason would be to get attention. If they feel like you aren't paying attention to them or not listening the way you should, they'll respond with an overreaction because now they have your attention. Another version of that is for punishment and revenge. If they think you have done something, they will use anger to punish you. Now that's not usually the case when it comes to close friends or people that you really care about, but that can be an option. Another one is to change the behaviors of others. So if you're doing something that they're not happy with and they overreact with this anger, it's to change your behavior so that you will do what they say. And then the last one, and this is usually the case, it's to hide emotional pain. What I always tell people is that if someone overreacts in a situation, then what's on the other side of that overreaction, in other words, what's within them, is going to be that sadness, that loneliness, that isolation, that fear, that rejection. So that's why if we hear an overreaction of some sort and we don't create that emotional space to really understand what they're feeling, 
then we too will then overreact. And unfortunately, an overreaction creates another overreaction, which creates another overreaction. And pretty soon there's a huge argument that did not need to happen. The reason why I say this is this. Anytime we have an interaction with someone, whether it's a close friend or an acquaintance, if we automatically assume that their strong emotions are directed towards us, then unfortunately we won't be able to be there for them when they are struggling. And remember, an overreaction is a form of a struggle. Because remember, it's not about you, it's about something that happened prior to you talking to them or something that was brought up from their past. So when you can create this emotional distance just for a couple of seconds and be able to remove yourself from the event, you'll see that you can help people so much more than you thought. Because often an overreaction feels like an attack. And the truth is, more than likely, it's not about you. And when you recognize that, it creates a wonderful platform for you to be able to comfort someone. I have a fantastic guest today, Jen Marr. She is the expert in helping people comfort others. She's going to teach you specific ways and how you can do that, but I felt it important to help you create that emotional space so when someone is struggling, you don't take it personally, and you'll be able to use the tools and techniques that you'll hear from her interview. So stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you love to read. Lifeology and Audible.com have partnered to offer you an incredible opportunity. Audible is offering you one free book download with a free 30-day trial. This is perfect for those of you who love to read but often don't have time to enjoy your favorite pastime. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to start your free trial. They have over 180,000 books from all genres, so I'm pretty confident your favorite author's books will be there. Go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible and start listening to your favorite book today. Once again, go to jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash audible to get started today. My guest today is Jen Marr, who is a founder and CEO of Inspiring Comforts and author of Pause to Comfort. She is passionate about furthering the science of human care through pioneering comfort as a teachable skill and has worked with researchers and thought leaders across the country to fine-tune the science of comfort. Notable organizations that advocate her work include the National Suicide Lifeline, Georgetown University, Northeastern University, and the Mental Health Association of New York. Welcome to my show, Jen. Hi, James. So great to be here. I am really looking forward to this. It's so funny, Jen, you and I were talking about this in the pre-call that when I used to live in the Washington, D.C. area, you lived like two miles from me. So it's such a small world. <laughs> and here we are I'm down here in Florida and you're still back up there in Northern Virginia. So it's, it's, it's hysterical. So this is going to be an awesome show. We both, well, so many people listening to this love pets and love specifically dogs. And so I can't wait to learn about the science of comfort and how to improve my own skills. So with that in mind, how did you even get into this world of comfort? And I'm not even saying it correctly, but how did, how did you get into this world? Yeah, it's an interesting story. And, um, you know, fast forward seven years, I would have never thought that when I started showing up for crisis response, that this is what it would lead to. Mm. I basically started working with a team of comfort dogs of the LCC canine comfort dogs um, in crisis response settings. Um, most notably Sandy Hook Elementary oh, wow. after that tragic shooting. Uh, also spent time up at the Boston Marathon bombing, um, which I had actually just been running that race. And then was embedded in several crisis response teams throughout um, Western Connecticut, Northern, um, and Putnam, Westchester counties in New York. And, you know, I share a lot in the book how this came together. I guess one analogy would be 
um, I came and showed up with the dog and I saw how much this dog brought comfort to people. Yeah. They allowed them to be and just to let go, put their phones down and, and connect with each other and, and share the suffering and the loss together. It was one of the few areas where I saw people putting their phones down. That's huge. But I quickly realized, <laughs> yeah. right, that what happened when they left. And, you know, there's a couple things I shared. There was this thought going through my head. You know, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you know, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Uh -huh. um, teach him how to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And uh -huh. that thought kept coming into my mind. I'm, I'm giving these people comfort, but... Where is the resiliency in that? What happens when they go home? Mm -hmm. and, and there's a story I share. It was a group of boys around a dog after a, a terrible tragedy. And um, the brother of their best friend had been killed. And obviously their friend, the brother, wasn't there. But they were all just sitting around in a group around the dogs. And, um, you know, being there with the dogs, you kind of a fly on the wall and you hear a lot of these things. And one by one, they went around and they said, you know, have you reached out to the brother yet? And none of them had, mm -hmm. not one. And it wasn't that they didn't want to, right? They they just didn't know. And and you can imagine the things they said. Oh, no, I he probably just wants to be with his family. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, he probably doesn't want to hear from us yet. Um, I don't know how he's going to come back to school. And, you know, for one time, I didn't typically do this, but I just. I just chimed in. I said, guys, send him a text. Yeah. Just tell him you're there and you care. So how, he's probably, he's at his home as his phone wondering why nobody's reaching out. Yeah. And it just started dawning on me between those things. Like these guys don't have the skills anymore. We adults are learning, losing the skills and people are becoming awkward, even just in normal conversation outside of their screens. Yeah. And imagine when someone is suffering that multiplies. It becomes incredibly awkward. And so those that are suffering are becoming more and more isolated. It's but what true. I also found, and you'll understand this, James, is that when people are hurting, when you're struggling, you are never more open to connection. Mm -hmm. You are never more open to friendship. You are never more open to sharing your heart. Yeah. And people really are open to helping you. And so we have this situation, this perfect situation where here we can help each other come together if we just show them the skills. Yeah. How, how would you define the word comfort? So how we define the word comfort is, you know, we have our own little definition for that, uh -huh. but it is, we call it, it's an intentional action that comes from the heart, right? It, mm -hmm. Comfort definitely does not come from the brain. And it carries with it so many beautiful human qualities. That's the one thing about comfort. So comfort is an action. And a lot of times what we'll hear about is emotions. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll talk about training for empathy. We'll talk about training for compassion. We'll talk about training with kindness. And all of these things are great. They really are. But what I observed over my eight years in crisis response is many times they just didn't hit the mark, right? Mm -hmm. What would happen with kindness is most often it was focused on random acts and just the word random, like yeah. that's not a connection. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, or empathy, you know, there's empathy is, you know, something we all want to have. Um, and Harvard does this amazing study. You may have heard of it called making caring common. Mm -hmm. Great study focuses mm -hmm. on empathy, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. but they will conclude that there is an empathy action gap, right? You can feel empathy in your heart but you fail to act because you're awkward, yeah. what we're talking about, yeah. right? 
So again, we go back to people want to do the right thing. They just don't know how. And so comfort is a teachable action. When we say we are going to focus on an action and we walk people through the teachable, practicable steps, then all of a sudden the empathy and compassion and courage and intentionality and listening and all of these other human qualities are carried with it because you're focused on an action. Mm, and in our programs, like that. Yeah. that action has is required, right? So a lot of times what, what I was finding is with programs in schools and everything, there was a lot of theory-based programs, a lot of abstract, a lot of role-playing. Um, but when you actually had to get out there and do something, again, it would be awkward. It wouldn't be authentic because if you're role-playing, you're role-playing the action, but you're not role-playing, role you can't role-play the intent or the actual um, presentation of that empathy, et cetera, because it's not connected to an actual event of where you need to do that. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. No, it's exactly right. And so when you require it, though, when you require as part of the program that, okay, now you're going to identify someone, you're going to create something, you're going to deliver it, you're going to reflect, you're going to do it again. And it, when you're required to do that, you push yourself through that awkwardness um, with strategies that mm -hmm. work for you. Well, the awkwardness itself, is that more connected with someone's belief about how they're presenting in their comfort or their own insecurities about maybe I don't have the skills to comfort? I mean, where do you think that awkwardness mm -hmm. comes from? Yeah, well, we, we term it the awkward zone. And what, okay. what is the awkward zone? The awkward zone is that place where you want to help somebody but have absolutely no idea what to do or say. Yeah. And, you know, couple that with our society right now, we really are very respectful of so many different cultures and, and we don't want to offend people. So, mm -hmm. so often mm -hmm. people don't do sure. anything, yeah. right? So what is, so to break through that awkward, we first of all tell people you have three choices. You can either do nothing you can do a random act of kindness and check it off the list, or you can break through your awkward. And by breaking through the awkward to intentionally connect over and over and comfort with someone, um, we have 20 barriers that oh, wow. you can look at and identify, you know, things like, I think somebody else can do it better than me. Right. Or I'm afraid fear is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. People are, afraid either that maybe I'm not a good enough friend, maybe they need someone closer to them. That's, that's a big deal where it's completely the opposite. People that are hurting welcome new friends. Um, it could be that they just don't have the time. It could be that they really just don't want to. It could be that their own behaviors of certain things get in the way. Um, and so we list 20 of them. And so through part of our teaching, that is part of it is identifying what is stopping you. And, and so when you know it's just awkward, well, that's all it is. It's awkward. You can, you can get over awkward sure. if yeah. you can identify what's making you awkward and have strategies to push through that. The people who've gone through your program and after they've broken through that awkwardness and, it, and it's more of a natural um, skill to be able to comfort people, what do they say about themselves once they've broken through that comfort and now, like I said, a natural habit for them? Yeah, the thing is, James, and I mean, I'm preaching the choir on this because this is what you do. Um, it's how we're wired, mm. right? It is how we are wired to 
have human care and relationships. And one of the things that, you know, is so great, especially during these COVID times is to be able to focus on what is this, right? And Dr. Arthur Evans, who's the um, CEO of the American Psychological Association, basically mm -hmm. come out, came out in a national town hall during COVID and said, how do we get through this? How do we deal with this overwhelming amount of stress and change and uncertainty? Um, and he, he went through and he said, you know, there's five things you can do, but the first one absolutely trumps all the other ones. And that is social connectedness. And he talks about how we are wired, like the only thing. So when you have so much stress going through your body, that is cortisol being pumped into your body. The only thing that offsets cortisol is oxytocin. Yep, right? Exactly. That. Yep. It's that human bonding hormone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yet what is happening right now is we are swimming in a culture that is really focused on self-reliance, really focused on, I can do this myself. I can get through this myself. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to self-regulate. I'm going to mm -hmm. do all these things. And that will never release oxytocin. Exactly. It is never going to offset that cortisol yeah. and it's a simple thing of giving someone a hug for long that lasts longer than 20 seconds right? releases all that cortisol so going back to the comfort a simple 20 second hug and then some right. boom there's a whole you're flooded with oxytocin and so like you said it's it is so interesting that to break through our own social connect or disconnectedness is it's just healthy touch exactly exactly and and you take that a step further it's like what is happening right now as a result of mm -hmm. this and and you could state the statistics better than myself but the spike in loneliness and isolation, right? Yes. And so the, you know, the point that is so critical about this, you know, you talked about the hug. And so then people say, my gosh, but we can't be together during COVID. Blah, blah, blah. How do we deal? We're all sure. so isolated. And, and the point is, is it's not about being alone. Loneliness is not about being alone. Loneliness is feeling like no one cares. I mean, at the core of everything is what is happening with this self-reliant, I can do it myself culture is our core human needs aren't being met anymore, right? Our core human needs that I need to feel belonging, I need to feel seen, and I need to feel heard. None of that is happening right now. And so again, that all boils back to we have to bring people back together. We have to form relationships and care for each other again. I had recently read a study about the primary factors for why people are dying early. And some of the major contributing factors are loneliness and isolation. So the, that's one reason why people's mortality rates or their mortality rates have increased is because of that. You know, so, so that's piggybacked now with the social distancing. Um, since the show will syndicate a multi, for multiple years, this was actually recorded during the time of COVID. Um, and so with that, there's been months of people so having to social distance and, and social isolate. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is that disconnect. So with that in mind, what are some of the techniques that people can do to create that oxytocin, to be able to have that connection with people? Right. It, it, it leads perfectly into the science, right? Like you, you said, what happens when somebody goes through our programs? Mm -hmm. What happens, like going back to that science, that now we are connecting with people and we feel a deeper relationship and that oxytocin is that's basically also really awakening our empathic response. And so when, you know, getting back to how we're wired, we are wired that when we care for someone and that oxytocin is released, we feel better ourselves. It is truly one mm -hmm. of the best forms of self-care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have a chance to read in the book, I, I share the journey of working with a, a young boy named Sam. He was in middle school and really one of the most defiant, disruptive, rebellious kids spent his life on video games, did not want any part of our program and walked him through those eight weeks of being required 
to reach out to people. And by the, he was asked to leave the first session. Here was a boy with zero empathy in his heart, none, could care less about being there. Those initial questions, it was a, it was a study mm -hmm. and he had to answer these questions. He was like, this is stupid. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, <laughs> he was there with his <laughs> aide and his grandmother had sent him there. By the eighth lesson, he was the one that raised his hand with the right answer. He was in the middle of the group. He came to the post-study party with his grandma and was changed. Like, and how does that happen? It happens with all the things we were talking about. It happens with yeah. every time he delivered an act of, of comfort. You know, we, we work with these signature comfort plaques that they have to write down their thoughts and carry act, words and then hand deliver them. And so oh, interesting. every time he would hand deliver one and, you know, eight out of 10 times, if you get a personal gift made for somebody, especially like by a guy, a boy named Sam, they're, you're going to cry because you don't expect something like that. And you made this for me and you're saying this about me. Like, so then when Sam feels that it becomes more rewarding than not. Right. And so we work a lot closely with Dr. David uh -huh. Desteno at Northeastern yeah. University. And he talks, he says that for someone to really deeply understand this and, and take this behavior forward, it, there's a point where it's more rewarding to do it than not to do it. And then that is when our human empathic response is engaged so much that the wiring in our body finds its way through those deeper relationships because it feels it. So we start by really focusing on pulling out those human core human needs and making sure people really feel a sense of belonging, that they're cared for, that they're going to care for others. Let's transition to your book, Pause to Comfort. I know we were talking a little bit about that a little earlier, but I do want to focus on that. We have a few more minutes, but let's focus specifically on that book and everything that's in there because it's, it's a fantastic book full of so much stuff. Yeah. So we had started our programs and realized that this need is so great and doing programs is awesome, but we need to get the message out on a larger scale. So I was just incredibly fortunate to team up with uh, Sky Quinn from Time Magazine. And really, we set out to make a book that is not only comforting to read and learn, but really gives you the tools to go out. Uh, and so what it does is it, the reason why it's this pause to comfort, which is a dog paw, by the way, um, That's cute. <laughs> was because as I was started on the interview, James, I, I started really recognizing this with dogs. And so the first section is you know, the pause to comfort title is a play on words because obviously pause means the dog, but it also means comfort starts with just breathing, relaxing, um, yes. because to care for others, it really does take the silence and the stillness and the listening. Um, but so the book starts with really looking at just like 19 amazing images, beautiful images of dogs and how they care for us. And, you know, it's almost like if you strip everything else away, if we can just think about how dogs care for us, if you're a lover of pets or dogs, you get that, right? Because dogs don't talk, right? They, yeah. they really don't. They help us get out of our own heads. They're there when they need us. They show up. They're never too busy. They're genuine. They're loyal. They always assume the best in us. Like all of those amazing things that are so important for us. Like, it's almost like the best in humanity is found. I know, exactly. Right? <laughs> so that section is really just a beautiful um, photo-filled section that engages people and lessens the learning curve, put it that way. Like, who doesn't love a cute dog? 
And, and all of a yeah. sudden you're like, ah, I get it. So from there we move into um, the case for comfort. We started talking about that and really laying out what has society, how has society changed that it is making us, di it's difficult to, to care for each other. So it's, and once we understand that it's, there is a real reason for all this happening, it makes it mm -hmm. easier for us to move forward. The third section is exactly that. Um, how do we identify our own skills and traits um, to go help others? And, you know, we lay it out like it's not just our mouths, just like the dogs. Like we lay out every single thing about us is meant to help others. So we focus on the eyes and really building awareness, like look up from your phone, look for these oh, kinds of signs. We lay out all the different ways people hurt. Um, so using our eyes to be more aware using our eyes for body language. Cause I think, you know, when we think about the ways we communicate when it's screen to screen, if we're only looking at words, it's missing 93% of the nuances of it. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that is our eyes. We talk about ears. Listening is so critical. Um, starts with the heart. It has to start with the heart. Um, not our brains get in the way. We, we teach how to focus on the heart, not the brain. And then we focus on gifts of action, our feet showing up. Sometimes it is better to show up with something than to say the wrong thing. And then obviously yeah. the mouth is um, speaking and writing comfort. The mouth and the hands are really critical ways. So we have some, some tests to make sure. Think of this before you speak. Here are some things you want to avoid saying. Here are things you can say. Yeah, so Here read are the room. <laughs> things that you can uncomfort me with, right? So, um, and then, so that's the, that's the core of the book. That third section is really the tips and the tools and the strategies and and then the last section is creating your own comfort profile. So it's actually an assessment section where you will actually answer some questions and determine what is your comfort zone and what is your awkward zone. So mostly you're going to move forward with your oh, comfort okay. zone. This is the, these are my, this is my most comfortable way to help people. Um, that there might be some things in your awkward zone that you need to work on. If listening falls in your awkward zone, we're going to recommend that you practice your listening skills. But, and, and then we move that into uh, a, an action plan that really helps you make that part of your lifestyle so um, that we can bring this lifestyle of caring for others back, which makes us more yes. build ourselves. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. I, I, this is one of my favorite interviews. So thank you so much. I really, I really enjoy this, this because it really resonates with my brand as well. So we're very right. synergistic in a lot of ways. So Jen Mar, if my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase this amazing book, Pause to Comfort, as well as work with your programs, where would they find this information online? Yeah, please go to inspiringcomfort.com. Uh, that is our website where you can find the book. You can learn about all the different ways we teach it. And we would just love to work with you to develop that culture of comfort because our hurt, our world is hurting and it needs mending. And this is one way we can do it. So inspiringcomfort.com. Book Pause to Comfort either there or on Amazon. Wonderful. My listeners also know that if they can't find the information any other place, simply go to the show notes in this particular show, which is called Pause to Comfort with guest Jen Marr. And I will also link them to Amazon in the store at jamesmillerlifeology.com. Jen Marr, thank you so much for being an awesome guest today. I really appreciate all of your hard work. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, 
visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.